God, uh, we just invite you to have your way with us this morning. Lord, we pray that you would um, speak to us. Holy Spirit, that you would comfort us, that you would encourage us, that you would energize us, that you would remind us of the promises that you've given us, that you would change us. Lord, I pray that you would uh, continue the ministry of Jesus in us, that you would use us in, uh, in your purposes and advancing your kingdom and doing all the things um, that you started with Jesus. We pray that they would continue at River City Church. We pray uh, in Jesus' name, amen. I mean, I have been really affected by, have you guys seen the news on this, um, the hostages in Colombia that were rescued? I mean, it, it's just, it, imagine these guys, the, the, one, the one presidential candidate chick was like, she was in, in captivity for six years. The three Americans was like five and a half years that these guys, they were captured by Colombian rebels, chained around the neck for upwards of a year and, and just marched around the jungles of Colombia. They, they said that they marched probably about 200 miles a year can you imagine six years of captivity in a jungle? It's crazy. And so the Colombian government sends in this, you know, elaborate ruse, ruse, this elaborate deal where they've figured out how they can, they can get them to think that these helicopters that are coming in are actually with the rebels and they could load the hostages into the helicopter and, you know, they, they're not going to think anything of it. And they go one step further. Not only do they get to load all the hostages in there, they actually get the leader of the group to get on the helicopter with them. Well, in the helicopter is like 11 commando dudes, okay? But they're dressed up like humanitarians. And they actually have this video on the internet. You can see the video of the rescuers, of, of this whole thing going down. And you see the, the, the hostages, you know, they're, they're, obviously they're downtrodden. The, the one, the one French, the French Colombian girl, she's like just noticeably defiant, you know, like she's been there for six years and she's still just defiant to these people. And she doesn't realize that the people that are trying to help her on the helicopter that are offering her a coat are actually there to rescue her. And she's, you know, so she gets on, they take off, they get up to about 2,500 feet. And then all of a sudden something happens. She turns and she sees the guy that had been abusing them, had, had enslaved them for six years, bound and naked behind her. And like in the same moment, the, the, the people, the, the rescuers, they said, we're with the National Army. You're free. And this is all captured in video. You see these people go crazy, jumping up and down. They were afraid the helicopter was going to crash. <laughs> Fifteen hostages were set free. Years of captivity, years of being enslaved and in bondage, and they see their tormentor bound in front of them. Man, and it just, it just struck me, if we can remember the ministry of, of Jesus, seeing it in, in the light of the way that it's portrayed in Scripture, seeing it in light of, of what the, the prophet said that Jesus was going to do, what Jesus himself said that he was going to do, that he would come as part of a rescue effort, as part of an invasion force to bring the kingdom of God to bear on the kingdom of this world. That he was going to bring the rulership of God in a way that had never been seen before and he was going to invade this kingdom and he was going to set free those people that have been oppressed. 
Those people that have been oppressed with physical ailments, everybody that they brought to Jesus would be healed. And it was representing, he was showing them what the kingdom of God was like. And then he healed them emotionally. Ultimately, and we celebrate communion and we know that he has, he has healed us spiritually. That he has brought us into righteousness. That we've inherited from him through the work that he's done. This is the ministry of Jesus Christ. There's no way around it. There's no way. You cannot cut all of the, all of the uh, freedom that Jesus brought physically, emotionally, spiritually. You cannot cut that from the ministry of Jesus. He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't. They didn't need good teaching. They needed somebody to set them free. We need somebody to set us free. This is the ministry of Jesus. And what's more than that, it's the ministry that we're called to. We say we want to be like Jesus. We should be doing the same things that Jesus, I should be doing the same things that Jesus did. This is the ministry of Jesus where we're called as ambassadors. We're called to be the ones and and to go forth and do the things that he did. Man, there's so many scriptures, so little time. Matthew 9.35, I just want to do one scripture. There's like a zillion exactly like this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, the good news of the rulership and the reign of God, and healing every disease and sickness. As the kingdom of God is advancing, people are set free from the bondage of sickness. People are being healed. This is part of the ministry of Jesus. What does it mean for us? What does it mean for River City Church? What guidelines do we live by? What what does it mean when we have sick people in our church? Is there something to this dimension of Jesus' ministry for us? James chapter 5. Okay, this is the deal. Because I've got supposedly two minutes. Um, So we're going to look at... (laughs) I'm totally going to blow that. Um, We've got... We're going to look at one scripture. I'm going to try and make two points. One scripture, James chapter 5, 13 through 18. Go ahead and just leave that up for me, okay? The whole time, because I would encourage you, if this is something that you've, you've struggled with, if this is something that you've thought a lot about and uh, you, you want to study, James chapter 5. Um, this is a great place where James gives the church instructions in this area where he's talking specifically about that dimension of Jesus' ministry. And it goes like this. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like you. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. The first point that I want to make that I think James is making here is that God wants us to pray for healing. God wants us to pray for healing. He should pray. The person who's sick, he should pray. The elders should pray. Pray for each other. All contained in there. James is saying, if you're sick, you you should pray for yourself. You should call the elders to come pray. We should pray for each other. God wants us to pray for healing. God wants us to do that. I don't believe there's the healer. 
I don't believe that we're supposed to call the healer of the church to come pray. James seems to be making the point that we should all be praying for healing. God could work through any one of us. The gifts are for everyone. The gifts of healing, as it's described in other places of Scripture, are given as the Spirit wills to whoever he wants. God does his own deal. How awesome is it, though, that James compares us, all of us, to Elijah, right? Old Testament prophet dude, lots of powerful stuff going on. That's, James is saying, you are like Elijah. He wasn't any different. The same spirit that worked in him works in you. Jesus says it works even more powerfully in us. I think it's important to make note, too, that he, the elders should be called. The idea that the church, the leaders of the church, those people that ha- have gone down the path longer, elder, right? Not the elderly, the elder, the people that have, have gone down that path, who, ha- who are leading the church, who are setting the example, should be setting the example in this way. The elders should be called and they should be modeling it for the rest of the church. The elders should be the ones. This means that for, for us that are on staff, for, for those of us that have been in the church for a while, we should be praying for these things. This is, this is important. James is saying it's important. It's a command. It's hard. It's interesting. If you read this in different translations, they're trying to get across the sense of the way that James is writing it. Because he's, he, he, it's like a question, you know, is any of you sick? He should do these things. Are you in trouble? You should do these things. But it's not a subtle, hey, yeah, you might, I don't know. When you think about it, maybe pray. That's not the sense. He's saying, if this is a situation, this is what you do. It's a command, not unlike any other command that we see in Scripture. So not only do do I think that we should pray, but we're commanded to pray. If this is a situation, it shouldn't be an afterthought. It shouldn't be something, oh, well, there's nothing left to do but pray. (laughs) How, How common is that? Well, you know, we've done everything we can. Let's pray. James seems to be making the point that it's not the last thing. It's a command, period, to do it. It's not the last thing. It should be the first thing. Man, this this week, this week's been funny. It's because, you know, I'm thinking all about this because I knew we were going to be talking about this. And both my kids got sick. Fevers, right? So my first, that's why Tommy's not in things because he's he's sick, so stay away from him. But anyways... (laughs) She's feeling much better. So, so my kids are sick. I'm like, oh, this is great. God's going to use me. I'm going to pray. They're going to be healed. And I'm going to be able to share it as a testimony on Sunday. Not so much. <laughs> but it was awesome just to know that, you know what? I'm going to pray for them to be, to be healed. Before I go and get the Motrin, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to lay my hands on my child. And I'm going to believe that God could heal, that this could happen. God could choose to use me. Not an afterthought, not something that we just do. We believe you should go to your doctor. I believe, James isn't saying that you shouldn't go to your doctor, you shouldn't use medicine. But it just shouldn't be the last thing you do, which is to pray. And we can't let our results dictate. You know, if I were to say, well, you know, I prayed for my kids and they didn't get better, so I'm done with that whole thing. (laughs) Where else do we see commands in scripture where we would do that? Well, you know, reading my Bible really hasn't worked out for me so far. 
So I'm just done with that. Praying, you know, I haven't really seen the results. I keep buying lottery tickets. It hasn't come through yet. I'm just going to give up on this whole thing. And no, it's a command. It's a command. We should do it out of obedience. The results are, are secondary. The results aren't up to us. But it's a command that we should be obedient in. And James, I think it's important to note, too, that he's talking about physical healing. There is no doubt. He is talking about physical healing, but there's more to that. There's, he also brings in the, the spiritual when he talks about confessing your sin. There's an emotional dimension of healing involved in bringing everyone together, confessing sins to each other. There, there is all dimensions of healing taking place here, but, but physical is present. Physical is the one that's most evident to us, isn't it? Physical, that's what we see. Somebody says, oh, God healed me on the inside. And we go, oh, that's nice. But man, somebody who has cancer, who's healed, there's no way, there's no way to back down off of that. And so a lot of times we, we like to put that in a category all by itself, the physical. But the bottom line is God, God heals physically just like he does spiritually. Just like he takes a man who is unrighteous, who has sinned incredibly bad, and he makes him righteous. A spiritual healing takes place just like he does that. He does it physically. He could, Jesus took somebody who was dead. You don't get any sicker than that. <laughs> Paul. Okay, no, no, Jesus, he was special. Paul did the same thing. Paul took a dead dude, made him better, alive. <laughs> it's hard to make him just a little better. <laughs> you see what I mean? This is powerful. And I think what else we, we get with this is the idea that God wants us to pray, which means God wants us to fight. I, if you were here last week, I thought Antley's message was, man, it was powerful. Don't forget, we're, we're in a fight. It's so easy to just get lulled into, you know, hey, you know, this is just the way things are. No, God wants us to fight. Advancing the kingdom implies that we are fighting, that we're taking new ground, that God's reign and, and authority is being established over new areas, new things that we're advancing. God wants us to fight. It's not something that we should just be, you know, good little troopers. Hey, I'm sick, but Jesus loves me, you know? No, we're supposed to pray. We're not supposed to curse God. We're not supposed to get mad at him, but we're supposed to fight the illness. Even the most conservative theologian, C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis says he describes sickness as an easily recognizable evil. There's no doubt when you see what sickness does to someone that it is a recognizable evil. It is something that, that changes humanity. It distorts it. It messes it up. It's something that is recognizably not from God. And so we should fight it. We should fight sickness. We should pray for those that are sick. Again, I'm trying to stay on James here. I'm trying to stay on James. We should be praying for those that are sick. God wants us to pray. We should fight. Jesus is the one who paints the picture of persistence. If we were to give up, that, you know, that just flies in the face of so much scripture. We are supposed to persist in prayer, like the, 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 the widow before the judge or you know, the other stories that we read about. We're not encouraged to just suck it up. And some would say, you know, God chooses to allow suffering to draw people to himself. But that doesn't mean that we accept it passively. We, we were talking about Hebrews. Antley mentioned Hebrews, that we should be bold, that we should enter the throne room with confidence, not demanding, not telling God the way it needs to be, but making our hearts known to God, believing that he cares, 
God, I, I want healing in this area. God, I want this to happen. Please, God, any authority that you've given me as a follower of you, anything that your spirit can do, Lord, I pray that that would happen, that you would bring all your power to bear, and I know that nothing is impossible with you. That's the type of prayer that we see modeled in Scripture. It's not, there's no formula. That's the tough thing. James isn't trying to make a formula. This was hard. I remember we were in Africa. We're in Africa, and uh, I mean, it was just, we were praying, we we're praying for people to be healed, because they're, they're sick, and we're following scripture, and Blair's laughing. Yeah, remember we talked about James, because James seems to be giving us a formula. Hey, the prayer offered up in faith will heal the person, and we're like, we suck. We can't heal anybody. Our faith is like nothing. I don't think that that's what, there is no formula. I think there, there's another, there's a spiritual gift of faith. There are times when God gives us confidence and faith that this thing is going to happen and we can speak out in faith. Like uh, Peter. Peter, remember in uh, Acts, he's walking by, crippled dude or blind guy in Acts, and he's like, hey, help me out, help a brother out. And, and Peter says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you, and he heals the guy. He totally has faith. God gave him. In that moment, he gave him the faith to believe that the healing was going to take place. A lot of times in the Western church, our response is, silver and gold, we do have. Here you go. And we, and we don't even believe in the healing. Think about that for a second. But down in Africa, it's not going to happen. They don't have any money. The only thing they can do is pray for healing. And so anyways, we're praying, not seeing anything happen. I remember we were at this one woman's house who, who um, was in a wheelchair, totally just an inspiring woman. And uh, we, were, we were praying for her to be healed. We weren't seeing anything happening. And so uh, I was just kind of hanging around and the, these kids came up. We were just talking to them. And I was asking them if they were Christian. And the one, the one kid, without hesitating, was like, yeah, my whole family, we're all Christians. God healed my mom. And I was like, interesting. Like, tell me more. <laughs> there was no doubt in his mind that God had healed his mom. His mom was told by the doctors, it's over. We don't know what's wrong, but you know, it's, it's getting steadily worse. So she's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to a new church. So she gave up her, her uh, you know, worshiping ancestors and she went to a Christian church and they followed James. And they said, you know what? You're sick. We're going to pray for you. They prayed for her. She was healed. She became a Christian. Her whole family became Christian. Because they, they saw it. They witnessed it. It's a way that God works. People say, you know, well, if God really did that today, you know, wouldn't more people become Christians? Yeah, yeah. And, and it does. It happens. I, when I was in India, what was it, like years ago? I don't know. We just had our 10th anniversary. So 10 years we've been married. What was we, we were married for two years when we went. Thank you. So like eight years ago, right? We're in India. <laughs> okay. See, I had to work that in. I don't know. So, so we're in India. We're in India, and uh, we're working with the International Bible Society, and I'm helping them out with uh, some technology stuff. And we're talking about this guy who shows up at their administrative office. Okay, this is the administrative office of the International Bible Society. They translated the Bible. The NIV is International Bible Society. But it's an office. It's not like a ministry. They don't do any ministry out of there. Guy shows up, and, okay, I got to tell you a story. So he is, he's part of a nomadic tribe. So they just, Really, they just pack up their huts and they move and they move and they move and they move. Well, he gets 
uh, some kind of weird disease. All of a sudden, he can't move his legs, and it's like spreading up his body. And so they're like, sorry, we're nomads. You're out. So they leave him. They, the, the tribe leaves him in, in, a, in a hut. And so he's stuck in a hut, and he can't move or anything. And so you can imagine over time, the hut began to smell, and it was really bad. So some bold missionary came over to the hut, but wouldn't come in the hut, threw a Bible, just the gospel, just the gospel of Matthew or Mark, I can't remember, it was one of the gospels, threw the gospel in and left. The guy doesn't know anything about Jesus, opens up the gospel, reads it, and he reads about Jesus healing the paralytic. I don't know who you are, but Jesus, I'd love it if you healed me. The guy gets healed. All of a sudden, he can walk. He doesn't know anything about Jesus, but he's reading that gospel, baby. So he comes to the International Bible Society because he looked in the back and finds the address. I'm not kidding you. He comes to the office, knocks on the door, and says, do you have more of these? Like, is there more? You know, and they're like, what's going on? Well, turn, this guy, his whole tribe, he catches up with his tribe. And his father actually has the exact same disease, prays for his dad, his dad gets healed, the whole tribe becomes Christians. The whole tri- God, God works that way. We have, to, we have to believe that you can't talk to anybody that's in the field of ministry, that's out there, where there's not silver and gold flowing. There's people that are praying for healing. The people that believe that there's healing, they see it. They see it. But there is no formula. Don't throw gospels at people and think that that's the formula. Um, God doesn't always heal. God doesn't always heal. And it's not related to us. We have to believe that it's up to God. You know, I mean, I have prayed for a lot of people and I haven't seen, you know, arms grow and fingers pop out or I haven't seen, you know, physical, (laughs) I haven't seen physical healings like that. But that doesn't stop me from being obedient to James. It doesn't stop me from believing that God wants me to pray for healing. The results are in God's hand. I can't take credit for it if they're healed, if they're not healed. A buddy of mine was healed at River City Church and uh, at, a, at a life course weekend. He had lost all feeling in his leg. Doctor's like, we don't know what's wrong. Um, he goes on a life course weekend and a bunch of us, we prayed for him. And so he ends up, he gets feeling back and he's totally healed. So he's freaked out. His family's freaked out. They're like, this is awesome. God is good. And I'm like, dude, do you remember who was praying for you when you got healed? <laughs> You know, like trying to make it about us. It's not about us. It's about God. Healed, not healed. It's up to God. God's the one that's going to do it. When we don't have to defend his name, we don't have to defend his honor, we pray. We pray for, for healing because we're told to. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. The first, that was the first point. <laughs> God wants us to pray for healing. All right, the second one's easy. The second one's easy. God does heal today. God does heal today. When you hear these testimonies on Sunday, I would encourage you. It's so hard. Sometimes you hear the testimonies and you're like, oh yeah. Oh, I believe that one too. You hear a testimony and you're like, yeah, mm-hmm, sure. And it's so easy to dismiss it. It's so easy to rationalize. If for just a fraction of a second, you can engage in the idea that, you know what? Maybe this is true. Maybe what this person is saying, it's phenomenal. It's life-changing to think that God would do that, to think that God would show up in this circumstance and bring healing. The type of healings that we've seen at the church, emotional, physical, spiritual, all, 
It happens today. God heals today. I was reading, we were over, this was not encouraging for me this morning. We're praying over in the library, and I pick up one of the books off the library shelf, and it's talking about how God doesn't work miracles today. (laughs) God doesn't heal today. I'm sitting there thinking, man, like, why now? Why do I have to read this? But as I read it, it doesn't make sense. You cannot make a logical argument that God doesn't heal today. There are people that would say, you know what? God healed. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did. In the time of Jesus and the apostles, in the time of Elijah and Elisha, in the time of Moses and and Joshua, God did all these cool things. But, yeah, then he stopped. He's done. (laughs) He's full. James, James makes the point. Who does he compare us to? Elijah. James is the one, not me. He's the one that's saying, you are just like Elijah. Why would James make that point if we couldn't go and do the things that Elijah did? If we couldn't be the ones that God would choose to use to do miracles today? God moves today. God heals today. We have to think about that. Jesus Christ, the same today, yesterday, forever. This whole idea, do we believe that? Because some of us, it's from our lack of experience. You know, I've never seen somebody somebody healed. I've never seen it. I've never had it happen to me. You know, I've heard people mention it at church. Friend of a friend mentioned it, but I haven't experienced it. But that doesn't dictate what's true about God. I've never, I've never been to South Dakota, but I believe South Dakota exists. I've never experienced it, but I believe it. Just because we haven't experienced something doesn't mean that it's not true, especially when it's so well-defined in scripture when it's so laid out that james would would say not only do i want you to pray for healing but i want you to believe that god does heal today that it could happen that god could choose to use you it's not humility it's not humility when we say oh well you know i'm just i'm just i'm I'm a unrighteous person you know god can't use me to heal that's not humility that's that's doubting that's doubting your faith in god god can use anybody That's the whole idea. God does it over and over again. He chooses the least of the least to demonstrate that it's not about the person. It's about God. God is the one who brings the healing. All right, let's let's stand. Let's take away, you know, that we are called to continue the ministry of Jesus. The ministry that Jesus started is the ministry that we continue on this day. We are anointed by the same Spirit By God's presence on earth, the same spirit that moved in Jesus moves in us and we are anointed to preach good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and we release the oppressed. This is the ministry that we continue of Jesus. And just like Jesus, we're called to pray for the sick and to believe that God can heal today.